The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 83 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today, widespread protests against police violence show no sign of abating and have eclipsed COVID-19 as the central issue in the nation. Our main story today, New York City bore the brunt of COVID's punishment and is now feeling the pain of civil unrest, just as it was poised to reopen. First, some brief headlines. Around the country and the world, there are reminders the pandemic is far from over. COVID-19 deaths among Florida residents jumped the most since May 8th. Florida began a phased reopening on May 4th. Hong Kong extended virus prevention measures after a new cluster of cases, and Tokyo's infections spiked. And in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson plans to reset his government's agenda with a financial statement and a speech on the post-pandemic landscape. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And now, our main story. Mayor Bill de Blasio still plans to begin reopening New York City the epicenter of the COVID crisis in the U.S., on Monday. That's despite the unrest related to protests over the death of George Floyd and a curfew that will continue for the rest of the week. Hundreds of thousands of people will return to work in construction, manufacturing, wholesale and curbside retail during the first phase of the city's reopening. At least 21,000 New Yorkers are dead from COVID-19, with a few dozen added to the city's count every day. New York's outbreak eclipses others around the world. Drew Armstrong, Bloomberg's health team editor, looked back on the statements of experts, officials, and politicians to better understand the root causes of New York City's devastating outbreak. I recently talked to Drew about what he found out. So Drew, On March 4th, New York reported its first coronavirus case of unknown origin in a lawyer from Westchester County who worked in the city. Is that how the New York outbreak started? So the March 4th case was the first one in New York City that nobody could figure out where it came from. 
And that's really important because when we talk about the start of these outbreaks, especially in New York City, it's really important to remember that there were almost certainly cases popping up that weren't caught before that. And so we only found out about the lawyer because he got sick enough to be hospitalized. And you have to remember that back in early March, there was barely any testing for this disease. We'd halted travel for many people from, coming from China the month before, but there was an outbreak spreading to Europe and growing there. And plenty of people were traveling freely back and forth between Europe and the U.S. during those weeks. People get really fixated on this idea of a patient zero where one person gets infected and starts an outbreak. But with COVID-19, because of the lack of testing early and how easily it spreads, that's not really the right way to think about it. The sick lawyer was just the tip of an iceberg that was already there. He was the first one to get sick enough for anyone to notice and test him. But there was almost certainly many, many more cases before he was diagnosed. So if we had shut down most travel from China, where did the cases come from? So it does seem like some of the early cases came from China, and there's this great study that looks at the genetic history of the virus done by researchers at the Los Alamos National Laboratory in Mexico that shows how this works. So all viruses mutate, and most of these mutations are tiny, so we can do more or less the same thing we do with a genetic test to find family members, like some lost great aunt, with a virus. You look at the tiny mutations a virus has, you trace the family tree to see which branch ended up over here and started an outbreak and which, and which branch went somewhere else. And what we see in the U.S. and in New York is really, really interesting. In the U.S., you see a bunch of cases from a genetic strain of the virus that came from China in February and early March. But while that was happening, there was a major outbreak in Italy, and the U.S. hadn't limited travel from there. So when New York gets hit, it doesn't get hit from China. It gets infected with this variant of the virus from Europe. And New York is a huge travel portal from Europe. In the week before the U.S. limited European travel, New York City airports had 274,000 travelers arrive from there. And some of those people coming here probably helped start the outbreak, but nobody knew because we weren't testing or checking anyone. Here's what Governor Andrew Cuomo said about that in an April 24th news conference. Everybody said the facts were the virus was coming from China. Those were not the facts. The virus had left China. The virus went to Europe. And nobody told us. And people came from Europe to New York and to New Jersey and to Connecticut. And three million European travelers came January, February, March, before we did the European travel ban. And they brought the virus to New York. And that's why the New York number was so high. And so the U.S. stopped a lot of cases from coming in from China, but the outbreak was global by then. And there were 15,000 confirmed cases in Italy in early March, and probably a lot more than that that hadn't been found. And the genetic detective work shows that they make up a big majority of what hit the city. So what happened when they got here? Didn't lots of other cities bring in cases and see their outbreaks? You know, they did, but there's some structural parts of New York City that made things even worse the subways, the buses, the trains. A lot of people here don't have cars. And for all of our complaints about the city's mass transit system, it works really well most of the time. I lived in Brooklyn for most of my time in New York, and I took the subway. I live in the suburbs now, and I take the train in. And it's often packed, but it's great. So it's also, though, not hard to see how it's also a really perfect way to transmit a disease. If you've ever been on the 4-5 line during rush hour, you're shoulder to shoulder. And when the outbreak started, the advice New York leaders were giving out was that it was all fine. So just listen to this March 2nd clip of New York City Health Commissioner Oxiris Barbo. 
There's no need to do any special anything in the community. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives, ride the subway, take the bus, go see your neighbors. The important thing, as both the mayor and the governor have said, we want New Yorkers to lean even more into frequent hand washing and covering their mouths and their noses. And if you can't get to a water source, make alcohol-based hand sanitizer your new best friend. Everybody thought that this was basically a disease where if you covered your cough or your sneeze and you washed your hands, things were going to be more or less fine. And that was wrong. We talked to Mayor Bill de Blasio last week, and he now describes the subways and buses as a major vector for the disease. And epidemiologists think the same thing. So basically, you take a crowded, dense place like a New York City subway, and then you go to a dense, crowded New York City restaurant or office or elevator, and then you go to a small New York City apartment. You kind of get the idea here. You know, the four most dense counties in America are New York City boroughs. It's a really crowded place, and I personally love that about it. People and interaction, it's what makes the city, and I miss that. Everyone does. But it's also absolutely perfect for a virus. Viruses don't spread in states or cities or countries. They spread between people. And New York City has a lot of them all well within six feet of each other for a lot of the day. By March 20th, the state announced uh, business closures and stay-at-home orders for work. But I'm getting the impression you think it was too late by then. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you look at the first case, that lawyer from March 4th, and you have to figure that there was a significant amount of spread by then that hadn't been detected. You know, he's one guy who was commuting in and out of the city. There'd been a spike in flu-like illnesses reported around this time. And by the time the city more or less shut down, there were, you know, 4,000 cases a day. And you got to remember at this time, testing was barely happening. You combine that with an incubation period of four or five days, meaning a lot of people had already been infected but hadn't started showing symptoms, and we were kind of well into the acceleration phase of the outbreak. You know, there's been some research showing that earlier closing would have saved lives, and that's probably true. De Blasio and Governor Cuomo, they had a couple of days of disagreement before the shutdown happened, but the outbreak was here, I think it's important to remember, well, well before then. And if you look at how easily this disease spreads and how perfect the city is to spread it, then a lot of what happened may have been inevitable, at least with the tools we had in place and how we used them. Let's look forward. Is the city ready to open back up? And what about the protests going on? Yeah, the protests are the wild card. Um, cases and deaths in New York City have been falling for weeks. But now you've got people out in the street demonstrating and very rightfully angry. And they're outside, but there's a lot of density. A lot of them are in masks, which is good, but some aren't. We really don't know how this is going to play out. We might see a surge in cases in New York and elsewhere. These protests are happening, or we might not. I think it's a huge, huge, huge unanswered question. So businesses are starting to come back, but if you look at how, it's really a trickle. Um, there are a handful of offices opening back up, but if you read the reports, it's really only a tiny percentage of people who are going back in. We don't have the million plus people who come into Manhattan and leave every day, all of those commuters. It's going to be really slow, in part because people and businesses just aren't ready yet, it seems like, from everybody we've spoken to. I think the big question is what happens next time. There are more viruses out there like this one, and this isn't going to be the last time we do this. I just hope we do it better.
That was Drew Armstrong. And that's our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Drew Armstrong. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.